and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. Do you like what I'm wearing? Yes. Yes, of course I do. I have to say, I didn't actually give a great deal of thought. I didn't have a great deal of time. I was kind of rushed this evening. Um, but people do give a great deal of thought to what, they're, what they wear. Um, you know, it begins with actually going to the store, and anybody that's ever gone shopping with a woman knows that people give a great deal of thought to what they wear. But even, even people that don't want to admit that they give a great deal of thought to what they wear still do. And if nothing more than simply when you go to work, you don't necessarily wear the same clothes that you would wear for other occasions, especially if you do you know, work like I was doing today, painting. I would not just go and grab anything. I'd grab work clothes. On the other hand, if I was going to a wedding, I would not wear those clothes to the wedding. We think about what we're going to wear. And in the Word of God, there's a real significance to what we are to wear, not so much physically, but what we are to wear in the spiritual category. We'll begin to see the significance of all this in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, this takes place right after the fall of man, right after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And in chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, And the eyes of them were, both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So <clears throat> they decided that they needed some clothes, and they sewed together some fig leaves and, and made aprons out of it. But that's not what God wanted them to wear. In verse 21... Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. <clears throat> Why? Because coats of skins make better clothing than fig leaves sewed together? Well, I'm sure it does, but there's a greater significance to it. There's a greater significance to why God did this and why it's recorded in the Bible. The coats... <clears throat> of skins were animal skins. And in the process of making those coats, the animals had to be slain. Adam and Eve had just sinned. And God was showing them in the slaying of these animals from which the skins were, were taken to make them clothing, that the payment for sin was blood. In Leviticus 17.11, it says <clears throat> that the life of the flesh is in the blood, and without blood there is no atonement. Blood is the atonement for sin. 
It is blood that pays for sin. And ultimately, it was the blood of Jesus Christ that paid for mankind's sin. And right from the very beginning, God was showing them and teaching them how man was going to be redeemed, and it was going to take shed blood. Just as the loss of Holy Spirit that caused them to be spiritually naked was addressed by covering them with the skins and in the process sacrificing animals and that blood paying the price for covering their sin at the time, so it was that the greater payment would be made as Jesus Christ shed his blood. But right from the beginning, this word clothed is used in more than just a literal sense. And clothed, or words that are translated differently but mean that in the Bible, are used throughout the Bible in a significant way. Sometimes the clothing is in itself symbolic, such as in 1 Chronicles, you don't have to turn there, but in 1 Chronicles 21, verse 16, it says that David and the elders of Israel were clothed in sackcloth and fell upon their faces. That's something that you see occur in a number of places, clothed in sackcloth. What's sackcloth and why is that significant? Well, sackcloth was just a rough cloth, but the, symbol, the symbolism of sackcloth was it showed being really upset. It showed being repentant. It showed that there was something that you were you know, in, inflicting some hardship for. That was the significance of sackcloth. Some places it talks about being clothed in sackcloth and ashes, showing that sort of double being really upset, but also kind of making sure that you were showing your humility. In Proverbs 31, in verse 21, speaking about the virtuous woman, it says that all of her household were clothed with scarlet. Here, the scarlet clothing was representative of something. It was representative of redemption. Scarlet is the color red, and that's always a, red is always significant of redemption. In Luke 16, 19, it talks about a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen. Purple was the color associated with royalty. That's the significance of that color. And purple actually was a very expensive dye. In Acts, Lydia was a seller of purple. And that dye was rare. And that's why anything that's rare becomes valued. If you could find diamonds in your backyard all the time, people wouldn't be spending a lot of money for them. But because they're rare, that's why they have great value. And so it was with purple. And only royalty could afford it. So to be clothed with purple signified that this was somebody that was royal. This was somebody that was of high estate. It's also used figuratively, though, <clears throat> the idea of being clothed. And, and not, it's, it's used figuratively in terms of not what's actually put on, not some kind of apparel that's actually being worn, but 
qualities, virtues, or faults that people have are being spoken of as being clothed with. And you can see this in Job 29. In Job 29, in verse 14, it says, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. Righteousness clothed him. Now, that doesn't mean that was the only thing he was wearing at the time. <laughs> but he was clothed, covered in what? Righteousness. My judgment was in robe, in a robe and a diadem. Look at Psalm 35. Here's another place where it talks about being clothed with something in a figurative sense. It's not really talking about the apparel. It's not a shirt. It's not a robe. But it's something else that it speaks about a person being clothed with. In Psalm 35, verse 26, Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice in mine hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor that magnify themselves against me. They were to be clothed with shame and dishonor. That's what they're wearing. What are you wearing? You know. Well, we want to wear righteousness. We don't want to be clothed with shame and dishonor. These people, for what they were doing that was wrong, that's what they were wearing. That's what they had arrayed themselves with by their actions. They were covered with their own shame and dishonor. Look at Psalm 93. Psalm 93, verse 1. The Lord reigneth, he rules. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. So here it says that the Lord is clothed with majesty and he is clothed with strength. That is what he is wearing, majesty and strength. Psalm 109, verse 18. And he clothed himself with cursing, like as with his garment. So let it come into his bowels like water and like oil into his bones. This person was clothed with cursing. That's kind of a funny thing to be clothed with, right? Mm -hmm. But that's what it says. And in verse 29, it says, Let mine adversaries be clothed with shame, and let them cover themselves with their own confusion, as with a mantle. Mm -hmm. A mantle was like a, um, like a stole that they, you know, not that he stole it, um, you know, this thing that would go over him, that would be like wrapped around him, um, you know, like around the neck, a scarf, a bigger than a scarf, but you get, yeah, that would communicate. And it says that they were covered with confusion in that way, and their shame they were clothed with. So you see all these places where it talks about being clothed with something. One more, Ezekiel chapter 7. Another one from the Old Testament that just uses this term clothed in this figurative sense of different ways, different qualities, positive or negative, that a person could be clothed in, arrayed in, dressed in. 
Ezekiel 7, verse 27. The king shall mourn, and the prince shall be clothed with desolation. And the hands of the people of the land shall be troubled. I will do unto them after their way, and according to their deserts will I judge them, and they shall know that I am the Lord. They'll be judged according to their desserts, whether they had ice cream or pie. <laughs> you had too much, and so you got judged that, boy, that guy's really been hitting it too much. You still, you still, people say the expression, you know, he got his just desserts, and they're not talking about, you know, he finally got his ice cream. It's what you deserve. It's what you deserve. And here, according to what they deserved, they were going to be clothed with desolation because Israel had gone astray from God, and therefore they were going to be clothed with that. That's what they were going to be wearing. You know, when we get dressed and we put on our clothes, you know, we want to look good to people, right? That's why you, you do care about what you wear. You, you're really concerned about wearing the right thing. and Does this look good on me? And is that the right color for me? And all these things. But much greater than the outward appearance is what we clothe ourselves with in terms of the qualities that we have. How do we appear to people? How do we appear to others? How do we appear to God? Not in terms of the shirt or the pants or whatever that we're wearing, but rather the qualities in our life that we are wearing. What is it that people see? What is it that we are wrapped up in? Clothing serves a very practical purpose, and, and that is that it serves protection for the body. You wouldn't wear, at least if you're living in upstate New York, you wouldn't wear the same clothing in the middle of January that you'd wear in the middle of July, would you? No, you wouldn't. Um, I've seen some people that are crazy enough to do that. You see these guys that are like, oh, I wear shorts in any weather. Yeah. I had a couple of guys like that work for me. You know, That's okay until if they're going from the car to the house, but you get them out for an hour, and boy, I don't care who they think they are, all of a sudden... They're crying. They're crying that they, they didn't clothe themselves the right way. Um, we clothe ourselves and to protect ourselves, right? It offers protection for the body. If you're out in the hot sun too long, you want to have a hat on because that protects your head. You want to protect your skin from getting too sunburned. And, you know, one of the ways you do that is with the right clothing. So clothing is significant in a number of ways, both physically and in the, in the figurative sense as well. God has a lot to say about what we are to be clothed with. And we'll start off just to see this word that's used in these different places at looking at an example of it in the physical sense again. And here's in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, verse 25 says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? So everybody that takes a lot of thought about what they're going to wear, God says, don't do that. Don't think about what you're going to wear and what you're going to put on. Is that, is that what he's talking about there? No, it's not saying that you're sinning if you say, oh, you know, gosh, I, I've been you know, really concerned about whether I should wear this or that, and I should just grab anything and not think about it. It's take no anxious thought here. 
take no anxious thought about what we're going to be clothed with. It's the word that means anxious thought, stress. Don't, don't be stressed about the physical needs in life, food, clothing, those things. That's what the context is here. That there's more to life than these things and that God knows what you need and he'll take care of you. Look at verse 28. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed or clothed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So it's talking about God knows our need and he'll take care of us. And just as he can make the flowers in the field, the lilies of the field so beautiful, so beautiful, that even Solomon in all his glory didn't look as good as those lilies. And Solomon's used because Solomon was, he was as wealthy as anybody could be. He, was, he had such wealth and obviously such nice clothes that people from all over came to see it. Queen of Sheba just said, boy, I heard that Solomon. He's a sharp dresser. I'm going to come and take a look at what he's wearing. <laughs> they were clothed. And this word clothed comes from the Greek word and duo. And in the rest of the places that we're going to be looking at, <clears throat> it's not translated generally clothed. I don't believe any of the following places that we're going to look at translate that word clothed, but that's what it means, to be clothed to be clothed. Turn to Luke chapter 24. Again, from the Greek, it's in duo, and there's, there's a couple of derivatives of this, and I'm not going to stop and break that all down for you. It's really just a matter of what part of speech, you know. It's like whether you're saying clothed or clothing or clothe, you know, there's different endings and so forth in the Greek for these different versions of it, but it's the same word in, in essence here. In Luke 24, in verse 49, Jesus Christ is giving instruction to his apostles. And this is some last-minute instructions that he's giving him, them before he's going to be ascended. And it says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Greek word was enduo. The English word here is endued, and it means to be clothed with. Clothed with power from on high. It's talking about that Holy Spirit that they were going to receive on the day of Pentecost. Mm. That Holy Spirit is the real clothing. When man lost spirit because of his sin back in the garden, Adam and Eve, they were naked. They weren't clothed because what they had lost was spirit. Now, on the day of Pentecost, once again, man is going to be clothed with spirit. That's what he's going to have to wear. It says about that in another place that that power from on high, Holy Spirit, was the promise of the Father. This is what God had promised. This is what he had promised that they would receive. And that promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost with Holy Spirit. Look at Galatians chapter, no, Romans first. 
Yeah, Romans chapter 13. Romans 13, verse 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on, there's that word, the armor of light. To be clothed with an armor. But not an armor of, you know, tin, like King Arthur, you know, all of his knights. But an armor of light, of light. That's not a light armor, it's an armor of light. The light of God, the light of God's goodness, the light of God's mercy, the light of God's grace, the light of his word. That's what we are to be put on. We're to, to not be in darkness, but rather to be in light. You have a choice in life. You can either walk in darkness or walk in light. To walk in darkness, of course, physically, you know, that's, that would be a dangerous thing. If, you, if you've ever walked in total darkness, it's a scary thing. Yeah. You know, I've done that. I've, I've been out and, you know, outside when there wasn't a star in the sky and it was just pitch black. I, 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 that can be a scary thing. I knew a little girl that woke up and thought she was blind because it was so dark out. But we're to be clothed with light. Light. Look at uh, verse 14. But, same chapter. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's light. To put that on. To put it on not in the Spirit, we received that on the day of Pentecost, but to put on the Lord Jesus Christ means to, to walk in Him. To put it on in our minds. To put on the thoughts of Jesus Christ in our minds. To renew our minds. That's what it is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not here talking about the new birth. That's already accomplished in Romans chapter 10. Putting on the Lord Jesus Christ is living like Him. The goal of Christianity is to be Christ-like. And that's what God would have us to do, to be clothed with Him. Look at Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians 3, here again along the same line, it says in verse 27, For as many of you as have been baptized in Christ have put on Christ, as many as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Still in the category of the renewed mind, in verse 24, it says that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Before that, it tells us we're to put off the old man. We're to change our clothes, okay? We're to change our clothes. We're to change. We're not to wear the old man anymore. And the old man represents the old nature. It's not some old man, and it's not slang for your father. You know, it's not put off your old man and, you know, okay, Dad, get out of here. Putting off the old man is getting rid of that old nature, that nature that's contrary to God, that nature that's filled with jealousies and anger and strife and lies and all those things. And when you go through the rest of Ephesians 4, it tells us what we're to put away. We put off the old, we put on the new. And, putting, and, in, and in doing that, it's, specifically, it's specific about what changes we would make. 
such as, Wherefore, let him that stole steal no more. That's putting off the old. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. That's putting on. That's putting on the new man. You know. <clears throat> Wherefore, putting away lying, let every man speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. That's changing our clothes. It's getting rid of that old nature and putting on the new, being clothed with that. Look at chapter 6 of Ephesians. <coughs> chapter 6, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Here, it says that we should put on the whole armor. And it goes on to describe what that armor is, that we put on the breastplate of righteousness, that the helmet of salvation, we take the shield of believing, all these different things that's described in Ephesians 6 of what that armor consists of. But we have to do it. That's what's the emphasis here. We have to put it on. If we can, you know, take the thought of what we're going to wear on the outside and give that as much thought as we do, then we certainly can give more thought to what we're to put on that God tells us. Putting on that whole armor, being clothed with that. Look at verse um, 14. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on, there is the same words of endued, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, we find some similar truths, but you see how much it's emphasized in Colossians 3 verse 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. This is what we should be wearing. We should be wearing mercy, kindness, humbleness, meekness, long-suffering. These are the things, the qualities that we want to be clothed with. We don't want to be clothed with dishonor or desolation or all of those things that are talked about in the Old Testament. We want to wear these qualities that are the qualities of Christ, the ways that Christ walked, the ways that he lived, the thoughts that he had. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Thessalonians talks about hope. Here it's talking about wearing the helmet, the hope of salvation. But when it comes to the hope, there's some great truths that apply to us. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, and here it's talking about the hope of Christ's return. And at that time when Jesus Christ does return, he will gather together his church. And it talks about this in other places, like 1 Thessalonians 4, where it talks about the dead in Christ rising first, and then those that are alive and remain shall be caught up together. 
And describing what's going to happen at that time, in 1 Corinthians 15, in verse 53, it says, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. The corruptible is talking about those that are dead in Christ. It's corruptible because the body is corrupting. It's rotting. That's what the word means. The body is just corrupting. And that body is going to be changed to an incorruptible body. The mortal is the one still alive. But is this body immortal? No. But when Christ returns, this body will be changed. And I will receive, and you will receive, an immortal body in an instant, in a moment. Quicker than that. It's actually the same word that Adam comes from. And that quick, our bodies are going to be changed. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Talking about getting a new body, because that's what's going to happen with this hope. We're going to get not just a new shirt or new robe. They're always singing in hymns about you know, having these new robes and walking all, heaven, all over heaven with these robes and new shoes and all this stuff. But it's not just some new robe. We're going to get a whole new body. We're going to get a whole new body. That's what we'll be clothed with. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, some great truth about this, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with the hands, eternal in the heavens. The house it's talking about is this, this tabernacle, is this earthly body. And if we lose that, we're going to get a new one. Verse 2. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so, that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. There's a lot of great truth in that section, and sometime I'll cover it in detail. But it's talking about getting this new body that we will be clothed upon. And that's going to be the ultimate fulfillment of what we received on the day of Pentecost. Bless you. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.